Welcome to Get Unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Over the next hour, you will be given valuable tips and tools you can use to overcome what keeps you stuck. Now, here is Jason. Welcome to Get Unstuck, Move Forward With Your Life. I am your host, Jason Hopkins. Thank you for joining us today. Get Unstuck Radio is inspired by my own journey of navigating this thing called life. More than a decade ago, I faced my own dark night of the soul, a painful chapter that robbed me of my mind, my money, and my way. After a series of catastrophic setbacks upended a lifetime of work, I was left with two choices, to end it all or to begin again. Fortunately, with a mustard seed of faith, I chose to walk forward with a new commitment to serve others. Over the last decade, I have faithfully worked to evolve the narrative of how the world sees mental health. By recognizing that everyone struggles, sometimes we all need a new insight and a different perspective to see life more clearly. Not only is this show the birthplace of my own efforts to overcome life's challenges, but a safe space to meet other champions who, even after setbacks, still bravely show up and serve others. Get Unstuck Radio highlights the phenomenal people who have joined me along the way. It is a place to share their stories, which will hopefully spark inspiration in your own life. Together, we celebrate our individual capacity to move forward and get the life we truly desire. Each week, a distinguished guest will share their own unique perspective about what it takes to move beyond stuck and achieve their truest potential. Regardless of where you are, I'm hopeful you will discover the inspiration and courage to make an impact in your own life. Let's get started. Today, I'm excited to have my friend and colleague, Melissa Moore. Melissa is an award-winning radio veteran who has been in radio and television broadcasting for more than 25 years. Melissa's career has taken her around the country, hosting various award-winning shows in Orlando, Minneapolis, and a syndicated worldwide show out of Nashville. In 2013, Melissa joined Bonneville, Denver on the country powerhouse KYGO before moving on to the legendary Cozy 101.1 in 2018. Melissa has won numerous awards, including two Colorado Broadcasters Award for Best Midday Show and a National Gracie Award from the Alliance for Women in Media. She is actively involved in the community and currently serves as a celebrity ambassador for the nonprofit A Precious Child. She also hosts a weekly community-focused program called Mile High Magazine on all Denver Bonneville radio stations. Besides hosting Middays on Cozy 101, Melissa is an avid writer and is currently writing a book and getting ready to launch her own podcast this spring, Unshackling the Soul. Melissa, welcome. It, it is an honor and pleasure to have you here today as a as a radio veteran. Um, I feel like I'm not worthy to have this conversation, <laughs> but I'm I'm so grateful that you're here. Well, I am so grateful to be here. I love doing this with you. And I like being on the, the other side here. This is different for me. I'm always the one, you know, maybe it's that control freak in me, but I'm always the one, you know, spinning the plates and asking the questions. So this is exciting. Well, I'm glad you're here. And really, the reason I wanted to have you on is you write this amazing blog that I follow on social media. And you you had a blog post recently. And in fact, many of your blog posts are about relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and relationship is kind of the essential core element that guides all of our lives, whether it's interpersonal relationships, work relationships, right. romantic relationships. Yeah. And, and and I knew that there was a connection point. You and I have talked about this sparked or inspired conversation pre-COVID even. Yeah. And, yeah. and thought, let's talk about relationships. Yes. Um, you know, and and the last the last blog post you did, and, and I'm going to paraphrase this, was 
you know, really asking the question is, you know, is effort worth it in relationships? And I would love to have, you know, some time with you just to to kind of unpack that a little bit yes. and, and get your ideas and inspiration between, behind this, this idea of relationship and that we're evolving as humans having this human experience. That's it. That's it. And I think for me, you know, when I was writing the blog, I was really trying to, to decipher between effort and work. Okay. You know, because there was that thing, oh, relationships take a lot of work. Right. And you hear that often. And so all of a sudden, whatever you and I think that definition of work is, that's what we put on our relationship. Right. And so when somebody told me relationships take a lot of work, to me, it meant, oh, it's going to be kind of, they should be somewhat miserable. And <laughs> you're going to have to really put in effort and, you know, just be places you don't want to be and stick it out when you don't want to. And after two marriages and two divorces, that's not what my reality has been. You know, I think that is wonderful insight. And I often say experience is the best teacher. Um, of course, I don't have any official divorces under my belt, but I have many failed relationships. And uh -huh. I always think the spotlight done well is to shine back on a, a couple of things. What did I learn? Yeah. And B, what would I never do again? What, yeah. what have your experiences been like in going through kind of loss and change in relationship? You know, I, I think the one thing that I came out of from my, I was married for 16 years okay, and was married to an addict that I didn't realize was an addict for the six, first six years of the marriage. Okay. And what I found is that I went into fix it mode and save it mode. As many of us do. Yeah. And I'm like, I am going to save him. And somehow I wrote myself as like the heroine of the story. Like, you know, I didn't deal with my own hurt and pain. Right. What I did is I went into fix it mode. I'm going to save him. I'm going to save the marriage because I did not want to be a 40 year old that was divorced twice. Right. Like, no, no, that was not going to happen. <laughs> and so what, what that lesson taught me is I don't do fixer uppers. Okay. I don't, you know, I don't do fixer uppers. If somebody, you know, because that marriage ended in divorce and it should have ended 10 years before it did you know, but I hung on there trying to fix it. Right. And so what it left me with a sense of somebody, if they want to fix themselves, if they want to get healthier, if they want to improve upon themselves, they've got to do it for them. Right. And not because you gave them an ultimatum. And for me, I need to focus on me and making myself the most healthy and being present in a relationship. Because when you become the fixer, you're focused on the other person. Right. It's always somebody else's problem. You're perfect. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, you know, like, like it's all about you and I'll fix you. And I'm not dealing with me right. and, you know, the story of how did I get here? How did I pick an addict? You know, what was my role in all this? I didn't do any of that. What I, I did. That's really great discernment. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, I'm, I'm sure other people listening have, have found themselves in similar places. An obvious question that comes up for me is, how did you end up in something for six years and not realize that you were living with an addict? Um, he was really good. Wow. So, you know, addicts, addicts are amazing liars when they're in their addictions. Right. And he had two totally separate lives going on. Okay. And it wasn't until I got an email from his girlfriend oh. um, of several <laughs> years and I was doing a morning show in Orlando and it says something you should know about your husband in the subject line. I open it up and find out 
He has girlfriends on the side. He had this whole other life meeting women in different cities when he worked. And I had no clue. No clue. And I would love to say that you're unique in this experience, but I don't I don't think that's a unique experience these days. Do you? No, I don't think so. I think when it comes to sex addiction, which at that time when he was diagnosed, it was very different. You know, we were just learning about it. Um, it was kind of like you had your alcohol addiction, you had your drug addiction, and those were easier to see. Like I knew he had some problems with alcohol. Um, but this I didn't know about. And I've looked back and I, I can honestly say I knew, I knew nothing about it. And would that happen to me again? I would sure hope not because now I know things I didn't know then. You right. know, I got married in my 20s. I was young. I was naive. I knew our relationship took a lot of work. You know, it wasn't just effort. It was work to, to keep things going. But I didn't know about that. You know, I think that's really that's really wise reflection and and being able to look at, I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, I often say yeah. that I think as humans, we show up and do our best and sometimes our best is not good enough. Right. And a lot of times the not good enough piece comes from that awareness or recognition that you don't know what you don't know. Right. And if you're not wired to be thinking about, is my husband going out and doing all these other things? I think it's really easy to live in your lane of, yeah, this is this is hard and this is work, right. but maybe it's always like that for people. Right. That's what I thought. And I thought, okay, second marriage. Um, it, it's, you know, we had a baby at the time when I found out. Right. And she was, you know, not even a year and a half old yet. Okay. I thought, okay, well, maybe this is just, you know, these kind of things happen to people. And I think I also tried to talk myself out of how bad it was. You know, I couldn't, you know, when we finally, because, you know, when we finally got in therapy and started peeling back the layers, the fact that it had gone on our whole marriage and that I had no idea, I had a lot of shame around that. Right. Like, how did I end up here? And what were my decisions that led me to pick somebody who was an addict and somebody that I just, I didn't question anything. You know, and I think so much of how we end up with the people that we end up with is based on, you know, the journeys that we bring to the table, the experiences that we've had or that we haven't had. And and I often say, you know, most of us spend our adult lives unpacking what happened the first seven or eight years of our lives. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And and, and fortunately or unfortunately, the people that show up in our lives are also uh, often a direct reflection of that culmination of experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that theory that you bring people into your life and situations to heal past traumas. Right. Um, And I think you do bring people in like my broken pieces fit with his broken pieces. And I, to this day, you know, people will, I, you know, very few people know the story. They more know now, but I would tell, I would tell friends, you know, after several years, And they would be like, I just can't see that happening to you. And I said, well, that was part of the shame. Like on the outside, I looked like I had it all together. But obviously, you know, my home life was a mess. Well, and isn't it amazing how masterful we can become at deceiving ourselves, you know, and and, and recognizing and thank you for, for sharing your story and being vulnerable about it. But the reality is, is in those painful relationships, there is comfort and chaos. Yes. And, yeah. and 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 I think that the piece that that really like erodes our self-esteem even further over time is once you know and then making the decision to stay. 
Yes. So, so you stayed another 10 years. Okay. Tell me, tell me how that happens. I think so. Part of the, what, you know, as I'm writing my book, um, I kind of look at unshackling the soul, looking at the situation, being married yeah. to a sex addict, and then looking at the pillars of my life that kind of led me there. And it's, you know, I didn't want to be twice divorced. I had grown up in the church okay. and, you know, I was, I was really waiting for God to strike me down. Like, okay, one divorce was bad enough. Now I'm back two, two times you are, you are like, doomed. Oh my God. I mean, I'm already, I was already on every Southern Baptist prayer chain out there, you know, <laughs> thanks to my mom, like, Oh my gosh. And um, so I was like, I, I just can't do that. And so I really felt like it was my duty to stay. That's, and, that's a great word. Duty. Yeah. It was my duty. Like somehow in my mind, I had said, well, he's, he's sick. And I had said, well, in sickness and health, I have to stay. And I think there was also comfort in the chaos, as you talked about. Right. I had known chaos growing up. Um, and so here I am with a narcissistic, emotionally abusive addict. It wasn't just an addict. It was a very unhealthy situation. And there were parts of me that recognized that. That was normal. And it was familiar. It was familiar. It was familiar. And so I stayed in that familiar. And the more time went on, I think, you know, I, you have to, when you make a decision like that, you do give up something, you know, and what I gave up was my sense of self, my sense of peace. I stopped feeling, I really kind of disconnected from my body. And I looked at it and I said, you know what, you didn't let me know this about my spouse. So I can't trust you. And so, so you turn I on yourself, me. essentially. Oh, totally, totally. And turn isn't on that me. amazing? Because I'm guessing from the outside, and, and and I've I've only known you the past four or five years, but I'm imagining from the outside, the world looking in, you had it all. Right. You know, yep. you you were on these award winning shows. You had a successful yeah. career. You had a family. Yeah. How how does that drive that that shame of staying stuck? Also. Well, I think the shame was twofold. I think number one, it came from therapy. I'm all for therapy. I love right. therapy. Um, <laughs> Same. Not all therapy is good. True. You know, and um, we had a counselor who said, this is your secret. You don't share it with anybody. You don't tell anybody because you don't want to make your spouse feel shame for what they did. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. And so I didn't tell anybody. And so I stuffed it down and didn't share anything that happened and his shame became mine. And then when I chose to stay in a situation where I told everybody I'm staying and then the verbal abuse got a lot worse and the emotional abuse and I didn't feel like I could go back and change my mind. It was like, well, one and done. I said I was staying, so I'm staying now. And so that shame grew, you know, the shame of staying and putting up with what I put up with. Um, the shame of feeling like a failure in another marriage, another relationship, right. you know, uh, it, it, all of that group. Um, so aside from the shame, tell me what were the emotional tolls that it took on you and, and your life? I mean, I have to imagine there was some collateral damage that, oh. that came from that. Oh, my life. Yeah. My personal life, there was collateral damage. Um, I look at it now and I mean, I lost friendships. Right. And I had one friend say, if it was that bad, you would have said something. We walked every day. You never said a word for the four years that you lived 
near me. That must have felt like a gut punch to hear. It did. It did. And they said it couldn't have been that bad. And then I was told, well, if you were really a Christian, you would have stayed. Wow. You know, so I had my faith questioned. I had my morality. I had everything about me questioned. And um, it was that was really hard. And, you know, you talked about when I was in Minneapolis, um, I did TV and radio. So pretty well known, whether I went to the grocery store or whatever. So I had this image. Right. And I, I didn't want to crack the image either. Because I was like, if I pulled the plug, everything would come crashing down. And I didn't know how it would impact my career. And I admit that. You know, and 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 that so resonates with my own journey of recognizing, you know, my my undoing that I've been very public about was also very public. Mm-hmm. And and I had built this nice, neat life that if it looked a certain way, nobody right. was gonna see the crack in the facade. Yep. And, and I think that that held until it didn't. Yep. And the fact of the matter is, is I know the discomfort of showing up in inauthenticity. Yes. And there is a tremendous erosion in just your sense of self to where literally you don't know what's real and what's not real anymore. Did you have an experience similar to that? Oh, absolutely. And I didn't know what was real and wasn't real in relationships. Right. And it really, until I went through my divorce, I would say that was when I knew what was real. I love Because I lost a lot of friends. And, and, you know, I will say one of the most painful things in my own journey was the recognition of friendships that I had spent a lifetime building that were not there when I needed them. Not there. That was the hardest part of rebuilding. Well, and it's one of those things too, not not just not there, but saying, we don't believe you. Right. It couldn't have been that bad. And I was like, are you kidding me? You know, right. Like, do you not understand the emotional, you know, I didn't even realize I was emotionally abused until after my divorce, my therapist said, all right. So just so we're on the same page, you realize you were emotionally and verbally abused. No, had no idea. I was like, not me. Right. No. Yeah. I made some bad decisions and I may have bad judgment, but no, I wasn't, you know, here's your wake up call. You were right. I was. And that was really humbling. And you know, that word shame. I mean, oh, I hate it because it just, I felt so much shame. Like, how did I not know? Right. I am loving this conversation. Let's take a quick two-minute break. And when we come back, let's talk about the counterbalance of where life has moved since then and and how you've moved on to thrive in, in completely new ways. Be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire. Regardless of your own blocks or limitations, imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life. On this show, Jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want. You too can be steps from getting the abundance, love, support, and fulfillment your heart desires. Get unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Empowerment.com. 
welcome back to the show. If you have a question for Jason or his guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Jason. So welcome back to Get Unstuck Radio. I'm Jason Hopkins, your host, and today I am thrilled and honored to be joined by Melissa Moore. Um, We're talking about relationships. And before the break, Melissa had shared with us um, you know, really about a, a painful time in her life and having gone through two divorces and um, being stuck in a relationship that just really didn't serve her. I would love for us to pivot our conversation now to the after. The divorce happened, you went through therapy, you've had a tremendous amount of growth and healing. Yeah. Walk us forward and, and let's talk about the subsequent years after um, the divorce. What was that like for you? You know, it was, it was the first time in my life that I was really by myself. You know, I'm a single mom. So I had, uh, my daughter was in sixth grade when we got divorced and it was trying to figure out how to make this life for her and I, and it was after just trying to figure that out, then trying to figure out how to be alone and then dating. (laughs) And you read some of my dating blogs, like crazy. This whole new world of online dating is not for wusses. Like it's not at all. It's (laughs) tough. And I just, you know, once again, I want to believe that people are going to tell you the truth and they don't. So now you have to go into this dating world, believing that people lie to you, whether it's the height, how tall they are. I'm tall. So, you know, it'd be something like somebody be like, Oh, I'm five, nine. He gets out of his truck. He's five, six on a good day. (laughs) And I'm like, look, you know, it's, it's just tell the truth. Right. You know, it's amazing how hard it is for people to do that. And I think in this online world, it's easy for people to be whoever they want to be. I I had a therapist once that told me that dating was like marketing. And really, in the first year of knowing somebody, you are revealing your masks to each other and you take one off at a time. And and I think there's a lot of credibility to that, that narrative. And, And I agree with you. If people just showed up more honest and authentic in who they were, good yeah. or bad, good or bad, wouldn't it make things easier? Oh my gosh, just make things easier. And and that was what I found is that here I had been on this path of discovery and healing. And, you know, I'm like, let's talk about real stuff. I don't want to have superficial <laughs> conversations. And they're like, mm, crazy woman, you right. know? And it was just, it was. It was interesting. It was a great learning experience, but at the same time, I hated it. Well, I think it says a lot about the norms and how we're conditioned in society. And for women especially, I think there is still this expectation in many circumstances of, I need you to fit in this neat little box of what I expect you to be like. And I can imagine you showing up as this tall, beautiful woman who's accomplished and successful and doesn't necessarily look like they need a partner. Um, right. I can imagine that intimidates the heck out of a lot of people. I Maybe that was it. You know, I, I've heard that. And it was like, hey, I know what my crap is. I've unpacked my boxes, right. you know, and I'm very aware of it. I don't need somebody to complete me. And I don't want to be your stretch goal. No, <laughs> no. I love that term. No. You know, I, I'm like, I, I'm looking for a life partner. You know, and I don't know if it include marriage or not or what that may be, but I'm not looking to date 100 people at once. And I, you know, I don't know what you're expecting, 
but I'm also kind of opinionated and I'm not afraid to tell you what I think because I've been through the ringer. Like I lost my voice before in a relationship. I refuse to ever do that again. I think that is so powerful. And I don't think that's just something that applies to a woman. I think it applies to anybody. Absolutely. I, I think we can end up in relationships that squelch our light or our ability to yes. acknowledge it and own who we are. And, and the thing that I I really hear loud and clear and is resonant in your journey and in mine as well is we've done the work. Yes. And again, I'm not saying that there is perfection in that story, no. but there is there is a willingness to unpack the messiness of our own lives right. to show up more authentically for ourselves that then attracts people who are healthier. Yeah. Is that yeah. is that pretty accurate? That's totally accurate. And you know, you I look back at my, you know, at my second marriage and the fact that it fell apart and I thought, you know, how how vulnerable was I in that marriage? How present? No. I mean, I accepted a lot less because I thought I deserved less. And I kind of kept my relationship like that. And I had to take a really big look at that and say, that's not what I want. And I couldn't have a relationship with somebody super deep when I wasn't willing to go there myself with myself. That's really valuable. I, I, I couldn't have a deep relationship unless I was willing to go there myself. Right. For anybody listening, I think that's a good checkpoint, Charlie, to ask yourself, are you, you know, people talk about the relationship they want. Are you really willing to, and I'm going to go back to use your word, make the effort in your own life to get what you say you want. Yes. And that was it. I had to make the effort to know myself and to look at all the ugly corners and the dark corners and shine light on painful past and childhood and things that were really difficult to deal with. And I had to really look at those and come to terms with the young girl I was then and the woman that walked down the aisle and got married and say, okay, let's take a look at the pain. Let's work through it and figure out, you know, so that I don't end up here again. And so all of a sudden you're in this world of dating and you're like, I'm pretty healthy. I'm pretty self-aware. People are like, I think dating is a fabulous mirror about the places that are still not healed, quite honestly. Oh, my gosh. It it is. It is. And what I found for me is like I had made all this progress, but I still had a lot of work to do in relationships because I don't think you can really work on a relationship when you're not in one. Like I thought I was I I thought I could date really well until I started dating. I was like, "Hmm, okay, you know. Like, I don't know how. And it takes sacrifice. And if you've you've spent all these years losing your independence to find your independence again, there's a there's a real necessary discernment. And how how willing are you to give that up? Right. Right. And, you know, how willing are you to give it up? And what are you going to compromise on? You know, what are what are those big things? And so I really did have came up with my boundaries. Like, these are the things I want. Like, we started this conversation out. I'm not doing a fixer upper, right? You know, if you've got a super messy life and you're, and you're just messy and that's fine. I, I'm not going to fix you. I'm not going to be here to clean it up. You know, you've got, you've got to, you know, have your life together and be pretty self-aware. And that was, that was, that was the bottom. I mean, it was, I was not compromising on that. And, and, And you shouldn't, nor, nor should anybody else. I mean, if you right. had to reflect back, what do you think are some of the biggest pitfalls in in moving into a season of dating from a healthier station point? Uh, you see everything. Okay. You know, 
I really think that somebody sits down and you're meeting them for a drink and all of a sudden it's like red flag, red flag, red flag. And you're like (laughs) seeing it, you know, where before you probably weren't as self-aware, but here I was, I was doing the work. I knew what red flags looked like because I had missed so many for so long. I was like, oh no, I need to know what the red flags are. And so I would see them and I'd be like, oh, do I compromise on that? You know, and then I'd have that internal dialogue. <laughs> like, is that a deal breaker? And then Maybe, you're not present. <laughs> right now I'm not present because I'm totally thinking to myself, hmm, I don't know. You're watching the TV over in the corner a lot versus talking to me. Oh, you just check that other waitress out as we're sitting here. That feels disrespectful. Am I being really picky? Am I? And so, yeah, now I'm not there. Now I've gone down plus I've now gone down this road, you know, that there's no coming back from like, I'm, I'm all the way in my head. I'm down the road thinking, you know, you're kind of a jerk and you just checked out that woman's butt and I'm sitting right here and (laughs) oh my gosh, you know, what does that say about you? And what does it say about me? I picked you. (laughs) Well, right. And, and, you know, again, then there's a whole nother path to take with your therapist on that. Oh yeah. No, trust me. She heard, I would walk in. I'd be like, I picked the same kind of person again. He looked different. He sounded different. How did I pick the same person again? And isn't it amazing? I've always looked at it as we pick the same people in different clothes. Oh my gosh. And, you know, like in the honeymoon phase of, oh, this feels wonderful. And oh, they're the one. And, you know, how quickly you can move into that. And I think that's those unhealed pieces of ourselves yep. that are still so, I'm going to use the word desperate because that's actually kind of what it is to it be is. in a relationship. I yeah. think their society places a real value on being in relationship. And if you're not in one, especially yeah. over a protracted period of time, yes. I think there is a lot of a lot of stigma put on the fact that something's wrong with you and you're defective in some way. Sure. I mean, we've all heard it. You're too picky. You must be too picky. Right. You know, and when I- somebody in dating told me they were too picky, I immediately knew they had a problem to commit. Is it, it, it's like, wait a minute. So I'm too picky, but yet I have these standards. And what we're really not saying is, look, you're just not the right fit for me. You right. know, you're great for you. <clears throat> it's just not the right fit, but we're so afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. We don't say that. And so, you know, at the peril of not, not worrying about hurting our own. Right. I right. think that's the thing to, to really to filter down here is we move forward in things when those red flags are waving, knowing this is a train wreck waiting to happen. And we go forward because we're so desperate oftentimes or or put upon by what society's reflection of us is in being defective or unworthy or not good enough to be in a healthy relationship. Yep. It's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. And, and so, I mean, I found myself going through the same thing you know, one failed date after another. And so I started blogging about them because I would find the humor in them, you know, because there were so many funny things that happened. You know, I went on a date one time with a guy. It was our second date. He didn't remember our first date and it was only like a week and a half before. (laughs) So, you know, I- I want some of whatever he's having. I was like, what? (laughs) You know, and at first I thought he was joking. No, he didn't remember me at all. So, you know, then I started like messing with him. And so I, he thought I was psychic by the end of the date because I was like, <laughs> dude, how do you not remember going out with me? But it was just like, so I would blog all these funny stories and I had so many women come up and they would say, oh my gosh, and men, like you blog about my life. Like, I thought this was just me. 
And it's like, no, it's, it's tough. And the older you get, it's tough. And you think all those games are gone. No, all the games were still there in my forties. You know, isn't it amazing though, to see how many people physically get older, but emotionally are still stuck in the same toxic crap that, that, that you did in your twenties. I know. And I think that was it. Like I had really healed a lot of pieces of me and every failed date was another lesson. It was another chance to look at myself and say, okay, you know, what did we learn on this one? And it wasn't, what did we learn about them? It was like, what did I learn about myself? You know? And like you said, I was picking so many of the same people and they look different. And I finally, I was like, I go to my therapist, Deb. And I was like, Deb, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't help. And she's like, all right, all right, let's blow that up. Let's look at the traits that you're picking and why. And it was once again, that comfort in a chaos. I picked chaos, you know, and that's where I was like, okay, it's time to put into practice these healthy things I've learned. You know, I thought I was going to walk in the dating world and just be ready to go. And I still have a lot to learn. How much do you think that being a fixer, and I'm going to use the words people pleaser, because I'm guessing you had a little bit of that in your history. Oh, yeah. How much do you think that played into some of the trials and tribulations you had in dating and the people you attracted? Oh, I think huge. I think especially narcissists love empaths. So, you know, here I am. And yeah, we just, you know, we just picked each other. Right. And so, yeah, I think a lot of the, like my codependent stuff that I was working so hard on getting rid of, you know, because when you're married to an addict, you can either be an addict or you can be a codependent. And I was a total codependent people pleaser, you know, fixer. And that's what I knew. And so to not go into that mode was really tough at first. I mean, it was like sitting on my hands, like, don't do it. Don't talk with your hands. Don't do it. You know? And it, it took a lot of, it took a lot of work not to repeat all that. You know, I, I, that, that so resonates with me and, and what you said, you can be an addict or a codependent. I spent a lot of years in Al-Anon, you mm-hmm. know, I, I'm the child of an alcoholic and I've spent my entire life around addicts also. Yeah. And, and really recognize that so many of those patterns and behaviors, you attract them because they're comfortable. Yes. They're known. And, and and I and I am one of those people that believes that sometimes the devil you know is the better than better than the one you don't know. Right. And, and frankly, that's bad information. It is. And staying in a relationship because you know what you know, even though it's eroding your soul and is incredibly painful, yeah. is not the better choice. No. I had a therapist explain it to me once, and I thought this was such a great analogy: new genes and old genes. So the dysfunction, the people pleasing, the, the things that you picked before, they're an old pair of jeans that feels so comfortable. Right. But when, you get, but when you get healthy, you're putting on a new pair of jeans. They're not comfortable and they won't be at first. And just hang in there. They're going to break in. You're going to do it, <laughs> but it's going to take a little while, you know? And in my first beginning forays into dating, I was putting on the old jeans. Right. And I had to switch over to the new genes and be super uncomfortable. How long did that take, though, to get that new awareness about old genes versus new genes? As I you would think for me, it probably played out for at least a couple of years. And, and probably it, a lot of bad dates. A lot more. I mean, I was the queen of bad dates. Like, <laughs> and, and that's where I was like, how, how does this happen? You know, but I mean, I picked it. And so until I started picking better. 
And the difference was I would pick better. And so I would meet somebody who was healthy, but maybe we just didn't have a connection. No fault of anyone's. Right. Just that, that thing that has to be there. Like you can be healthy. I can be healthy. We can have similar interests, but it can still not be there. If you're missing that spark thingy, it doesn't well, matter. And, and, and you've mentioned this a couple of times. And I think that's so important for anybody listening that, you know, if you're on a first, second, third, fourth, fifth date, and you recognize that it is not a fit, like it is okay to say, this is not a fit for me yes, and be kind. unapologetic about that. Yeah. It's kind. Let that person move on and find their better fit. Right. Give yourself permission to move on and find the better fit. You know, you know, I, you I know. think that's such valuable information. And, and and I also had a therapist once that said our role in life is to be kind and honest. Yes. And and the honest piece, I think, is what trips a lot of us up because we think in being honest, we're being unkind when really uh-huh. it is being authentic to your own self and yes. being honest and kind with yourself first yes. and yes. then somebody else second. Yeah, I I love the saying being clear is kind. Be clear. Don't be ambiguous. Right. Don't that that was the hardest part about dating is there were times we I went on a date and I thought it went well. <laughs> and then I found out it didn't go as well as I thought it did. I you like, got a message and that was fun and you're blocked. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, huh, that's okay. Well, I guess that wasn't a fit. You know? I and I the nice I had this one guy, he was like, Hey, I really enjoyed meeting you, but it's just not there for me. Okay. And while that may feel like a gut punch just to yeah. our our soul yeah. that wants to be liked by everybody, doesn't that yeah. save a lot of time and energy on something that's never going to be a fit? Right, right. And I'm like, thank you. You know, if you know that clearly after one or two dates, yes, tell me that. Right. And, I, you know, I always love that you're 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 too successful. You're intimidating to me. That was one of my favorite ones, and it's yeah. like uh, what. You know, and I and I can't uh, I can't believe how many years I was so focused on adapting downward to yeah. meet somebody else where they were. And frankly, yep, I did myself a real dirt disservice in kind, not kind of. I was standing in my own way. Yes, you were dimming your own light. Right. You're too bright. You know, yeah. and I heard that too. You're too bright. You're <laughs> loud. You're opinionated. You're, you know, you. My career has been successful. I've been very blessed, you know, but I downplayed all of it. Same thing. And that's where my fiance now, I mean, it's the best relationship I've had and it's easy and it's fun. And I'm 100% who I am. I love it. We're going to take a quick break. I want to come back and I want to talk about that because I know you've got some really great things that you've got going on right now. Um, So join us here in just a couple of minutes. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
Welcome back to the show. If you have a question for Jason or his guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Jason. Welcome back to Get Unstuck Radio. I'm your host, Jason Hopkins, and today I am with the fabulous Melissa Moore. Um, we are having an inspired conversation about relationships. Um, mm-hmm. So far in this episode, we've unpacked the good, the bad, and the <laughs> ugly. And and I want to get on to the great, Melissa, because I know that um, through all of your travails and, and trials yeah. with dating, um, there have been many ups and downs, but it sounds like you found a keeper. Oh um, let, let's talk about life today. It what, is what's going on. It's it's awesome. So we got engaged a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, I it's funny. So I met my fiance. We had like mutual friends. Okay. And so not online. No, not online, which worked out great for us. We met through kind of we met online because he sent me a message on Facebook. Okay. Um, and then I sent him a message and didn't really think much about it. And my mom goes, Well, who who's this Tim? And I'm like, I don't know, mom, I have a lot, you know, I've got like 5,000 people on Facebook. I don't know who it is. Well, I've looked into him and he looks like a nice guy. <laughs> go, what? Did she put it in the prayer circle? Yeah. Put it in the prayer circle again. Yeah, probably did. And so, you know, that was months later, we ended up talking and we went out on our first date, but we really just went out as friends, you know, and there was no expectation or anything else. And then we've been together ever since. Like That's, we just laughed and had fun. We had like five hours of conversations. We shut the restaurant down. I love it. You know, and that's so, so interesting because you and I met our, our, uh, your fiance and my partner about the yeah. same time. We did. Um, yeah. So I met Gus during COVID at, at the, the last year of 20 or the last month of 2020. Oh, and wow. literally we went on our first date and, and I have to say other than travels or trips here and there, we never yeah. spent a night apart since. Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing that I love that goes back to the 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 topic of this conversation is relationships and efforts, how easy it has been to move into something that fits. Oh my and while gosh. I'm not saying it's always easy and not everything is always perfect and exciting, it just, it, it's like that cozy sweater that you put on yes. in the winter. It just fits. It fits. It fits. And it, we're the same way. And what it really proved to me is before I kept trying to make it fit, you know, and I was putting all this work into it and trying to make it fit. And it just didn't fit. And now it's just, yes, there's effort. There's effort for date nights and there's effort for, you know, making sure that I remember to tell them things or whatever, but it's not, it's not hard. Right. You know, it's, there is, it's effort, but there's this sense of effortlessness where it's just natural. I love that. And I think that is so resonant for anybody that's listening. The analogy of, you know, trying to make things fit that don't fit, you know, when you find your person, and I'm not saying there's one person for everybody necessarily, it may be multiple people in relationships. And as we've talked about today, I do think there are a lot of valuable lessons you glean from dating and from getting to know people. A, I think it helps you better learn your, about yourselves. But yeah. more importantly, what I found in dating, you know, quite a bit myself is I learned what I didn't want. Yes. Yes. So when you find somebody that shows up that is different, that is refreshing, that is 
here to meet you at your place and not change you or fix you. It's so different. So different. Somebody who just meets Mm -hmm. you where you are and somebody who's also present, you know, they're present. Right. When you're talking to them, they're there. You know, somebody who accepts you like the thing, you know, all my little quirkiness. And I know I've got a bunch of little quirky things as we all do. He just laughs about them. Right. You know, I lose my phone a hundred times a day, you know, <laughs> and um, even right before you and I were talking, I was like, I forgot, I can't find my phone. You know, <laughs> what if Jason tries to text me um, and he went and found it for me. And there's, it's just acceptance. It's this, it's the soul level acceptance of, I see you and I really like you. And that's beautiful. It just makes it easier versus I see you and I want to change you. And I like your potential. <laughs> Well, and it's also the journey of living in flow. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, it's it's yeah. not trying to push this to be something that it that it isn't supposed to be. And I think a lot of us spend time forcing things. I yes. wonder, I mean, you and I are at a more mature season in our lives. I mean, <laughs> just getting <laughs> nice started. <laughs> we're just getting started. Yes. But how do you think that that maturity in this season is different maybe than than finding this if when we were younger. Do you think that there's there is something in the wisdom of doing this journey of being alone, being a single yes. mom, being yes. independent? I appreciate him so much more. I appreciate the little things. Right. And one of the things I've made the commitment is to tell him, hey, thank you for doing that. Hey, thank you for, you know, letting me come home and just dump on you and talk to you or <laughs> You know, thank you for, you know, like this morning for I had to like, you know, the cat was sick or something. <laughs> you know? And I don't have time to clean that up. Right, right. And so it is really just seeing him and being present and things that I don't think I would have appreciated in my 20s or 30s. I really don't. I think it had to take this season of life for me to say, wow, it's it, it's the little things for me are the big things. He's consistent, right. he's kind, he's thoughtful, he's funny, and he's always like that. And I appreciate that. And that's so important. You know, I, I uh, my spiritual director friend um, always tells me about being equally yoked in relationships. And I had yeah. never really heard that term, but I think yeah. there's something to that. And it sounds like you finally attracted who you are. Yeah, well, I, and I do, I feel, I feel like I finally did it. You know, it's the lock and key for a long time. My lock was broken, you know, and so I kept attracting the same keys. Well, when I got a different frequency and my vibration changed, no longer did I attract that anymore. And no longer was I attracted to it. And then along came, along came Tim and I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. It was just different. And I really look at it from, I think we all were a little, uh, uh, dissuaded with the Jerry Maguire moment of you complete me. And, and really, I think reinventing the reality is, is it's two people coming together in completeness in, in, in building a relationship in interdependence and not codependence or. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that's so different. It is different. It is different. I wasn't looking for somebody to fix me or complete me or, I just, I wanted somebody to share joy and life and happiness and, and experiences with, and I want somebody who had their own life. Right. I, I find that 
so many people approach relationships for the fun and the the excitement and all of the, we went here and we did that. And really, if you think about sustainable relationships, they happen in the mundane. They happen in the day-to-day. They happen in, you know, did you take the dog to the vet or have you picked up the dry cleaning or what are we having for dinner? Yeah. You know, Gus and I laugh all the time. I mean, I knew he was my person because half of our conversations are around calling each other nuts, like you're nuts. No, you're nuts. <laughs> and and I say that tongue in cheek and, and right. perhaps we are both a little nuts, but it, there is this comfort and ease of just being able to be exactly who you are yeah. unapologetically. There, there is, there is such peace in that. Oh my gosh. I mean, we love our Saturdays. We're at Costco a lot of times and we're having lunch oh, at Costco. Too. <laughs> I and mean, we love it. We I tried to swear off the hot dogs, but I just can't go without it. I know. And frankly, Melissa, I've gotten to where I can't go to Costco. You have to go. <laughs> and so the other day, Gus is calling. He's like, the woman told me, um, you know, he went and got rotisserie chicken and so it was $25. And she's like, well, we'll see you in two days. And I'm just like, how dare she judge you for your Costco visit? We only go once a week. Um, you know, so people do use it like a grocery store, I guess. Oh my um, but, but again, it's in the mundane. It's in yeah. the, you know, the vacations are fun. The, the flashy, yeah. shiny things are fun, but it's yeah. life happens in the real moments. Absolutely. And I remember we had only been dating for probably about a month. And I said, I know this isn't really date stuff, but I, I've got to go to the grocery store. I've got to go to Costco. <laughs> and he goes, well, let's go. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, why not? And that's where I was like, okay. So because I know you guys, right. And I know you guys both have kids. So talk to me a minute. How has blending your family been? You know, it has been, I, I think because it was the ease of our relationship and both of our girls, we have, so we have an 18 and 19 year old that live with us. That's awesome. And they are very much alike and they get along very, I mean, it's, it's really been, it's been good. It's been easy. And I think a lot of people are surprised that um, I also get along with his ex-wife. You know, we have, we have birthday dinners and everybody's together and it's great. Because well, really, when everybody is happy, it's easier yeah. to be in the ease and the flow of that. And yes. how great that your daughter's got sisters. Yeah, she got sisters and his ex-wife, she absolutely adores. And it's just, it's more love. That's And amazing. by kind of going with the flow and just by how everything happened, it was like, why, you know, I, I really am. I mean, I just, I love people and yeah, let's just make the family bigger. And so we have. Melissa, you're an inspiration to us all. And I am thrilled of being on the periphery and and seeing this journey with you to see you come fully into this season of what works for you and and getting the love that not only you deserve, but was always waiting for you. Tell me what's next. Um, You know, again, if you said there's nothing next plan, um, you have certainly (laughs) accomplished plenty, but I know you've got some other things on the horizon. What do you have in the pipeline? I do. So I'm still blogging. It's called More for Love and it's on my website. I know you'll have that listed. Right. Um, But I'm working on my book, Unshackling the Soul. And, you know, really taking a hard look at, you know, what brought, and it's my story. So it's my story and what led me to the decisions I made. And so it's, it's a lot, it's a, it's a deep book. Um, I think it's, hopefully it's going to resonate and be good. And then I'm going to be doing the podcast too. 
and talking about their, just kind of like what you're doing, talking about our stories, you know, and looking at things like addiction and boundaries and growth and, uh, you know, codependency and all of that other stuff. Well, I'm happy to serve as a guest anytime you need one. I can talk about it. Oh, you will be. You will be. <laughs> so so tell me, though, how has moving into this season from a healthier, more whole place and then reflecting back on the journey that built you, mm-hmm. how has that guided you and changed how you tell your story today? Is it different than it would have been? Yeah, I don't feel like I have the anger. That's wonderful. You know, I don't. There, there are moments where I'm like, that really sucked and that really hurt. Um, but I'm honestly grateful for it because if it meant that I ended up here, then it was all worth it. And I think I had to go through the hard stuff that I did to heal pieces of me from my past and my childhood. I had to do it. And I am thankful that I did it so that I do get to get this season where I'm present and I'm a, the healthiest version of myself I've ever been. And I'm a better mom because of it. I'm a better friend. I'm a better person, you know, for, for, I finally have compassion for myself and self-love. And I didn't have all that before I went through all the crap. Well, and to put that neatly in a package here, the effort was worth it. The effort was absolutely worth it. You know, and, and I want to go back to the 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 starting place of this conversation was about the effort being worth it in relationship. And I think the real yes. gift is you made the effort in the relationship with yourself yes. that subsequently has resulted in every other box getting checked. Yeah, I had to love myself. I had to love myself. And it was a much harder battle than I thought it would be. You know, to talk about that for days, you know, I love, I wanted to, I only wanted to love my perfect self Mm. and I had to love my messy middle of myself. And then, and then things started coming into place. And so inspiring. Um, You know, I, I hate for our time to come to a close, but Melissa, this has been so valuable and so appreciated. I'm just, I'm thrilled that you were here um, and that you shared with us in just such a beautiful, vulnerable way. Tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you. Uh, Probably the easiest way if you go to my website. So I've got my blog and then the podcast and the book announcement will all be there. It's melissamoremedia.com. Perfect. And you can find me there. You can shoot me a message there. And yeah, I love love hearing from people. So I loved our conversation today. I feel like we could just keep going. We could, and we'll have to do it again. Um, For anybody that's listening and wants to subscribe to Get Unstuck Radio show pages, you can find us at Get Unstuck Radio on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Next week, we have another inspiring guest, Stephen Hayden. Stephen is a passionate advocate for LGBT plus Q youth and is forging new systems of support through his efforts. You won't want to miss our inspired conversation. Um, Melissa, before we wrap it up, tell me one thing you're grateful for today. Hmm. Is it weird to say my life? No, not at all. I think that's I'm grateful perfect. for my life today. And I'm grateful for that too. Until next time, remember every journey begins with a next step and you too can be your own champion. Thanks for listening to today's show. We hope we've helped you identify how you can overcome the mental block that's been keeping you stuck. Until we talk again, we wish you a great week.